Okay, let's do this. Um, I'm Adam. Thanks for listening. Brian, welcome to another another episode oh, of Engineering. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, buddy. Uh, so we've decided on that as a name. It's engineering. I like it. Oh, yeah, it's super clever. And it hasn't been taken on the internet, strangely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say, of prime importance. <laughs> it seems like so easy a pun that I don't know how it is. I know. I'm, I'm shocked. We need to, like, lock it down hard. <laughs> we just filed some sort of best. some sort of paperwork. I've been doing my best. Yeah, if you want to listen to this, if you want to uh, dig, if you're listening to this and you want to dig into it, you can probably find remnants of my slowly getting the SEO empire for his engineering setup. <laughs> but I do it in my free time, so it's like we have an address. It probably just still points to GoDaddy, and we have we have SoundCloud, YouTube, all these other things locked down. So you can go follow us, and someday. All that information will be there. Feel free to like empty profiles. I think that's cool. <laughs> That'll encourage us to get that shit going. Well, that's you don't give a shit about. You just want to not miss the update if we put up a new episode, right? right? Yeah, no one's like sitting on SoundCloud. They're like, oh, that was good. Let me hit the next button. But they might be. I just, I'm not. Yeah, maybe they are. I don't know. Just, I'm anything not, yeah, I have no. <laughs> I'm slowly becoming. I'm not as hip as I want to be to be running a podcast on the internet. An out of touch adult. Um, <laughs> And uh, we might still shower people with some uh, topless science themed pieces, even though that's not our name anymore, just because uh, I think it's a little more provocative. By topless science, you mean <laughs> uh, just you will continue to not wear a shirt? Maybe just pictures of me without a shirt. Maybe pictures of other people without shirts. I don't know. I don't know that I left any reference of topless science in the previous two episodes. Um. I think it's okay. No, to bring yeah, it up. I have no problem no, bringing yeah. it up. I just think <laughs> it's funny because they just didn't. I tried to put them in. I just didn't. You know, the episodes to be too long. The goal is to eventually not have to edit at all, but it means one of two things have to happen: we got to get good enough at this that we can finish it up in an hour, or people have to care enough yep. to hang around for the part that's not necessarily interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Both, both of those are going to happen, but I think key is to stay on task, which is probably a great cue for us to hit the uh, the get to the hit list here. Okay, so episode three, what's uh, you want to you want to introduce the big the big topic we'll get to before we bounce yeah. you off the hit list today on the agenda is dun, 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 quantum computing and just computers and stuff in general. Right. I mean, that means we're going to have to back up to what, what the hell a computer does before. Into things that are intelligible uh, before we ramble our way through quantum computers. You know, it sounds like a very narrow, <laughs> narrow topic, right? Um, rock on. So hit list stuff. Uh, here's what I got. Uh, the note says Velcro. And I was thinking about this. Ooh, so Velcro. <laughs> um, like why, why? I, was, I was tying my shoes the other day. And I was tightening the laces, and I thought, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a pair of dress shoes or something, right? So they still have laces on them. But every other pair of shoes I have either has elastic on it or some sort of Velcro system. So I can get them on and off really quickly. And it's crazy to me how pervasive laces still are uh, and how inconvenient they are. <laughs> uh, I've wanted Velcro shoes for fucking ever and I constantly get in this conversation and then I don't go get them. So it's my okay. own fault. <laughs> so here's what I, here's what I think is interesting. I also recently purchased a smart lock. Um, it's a deadbolt that I can control with my phone and I, isn't that, remember, uh, Remember the, the thing that the millionaire in Garden State invented was silent Velcro? Ooh, that's a smart invention. That sound just came from extreme Velcro uh, that I used to attach the sound panels all over my room. This is the thing. Oh, if people realize the, the vast array of Velcros available. I have, I have three different rolls of Velcro in my house at all times. 
and they all have different tons, tons different of uh different like <laughs> well, I, how would you describe this from an engineering standpoint they both have they have the higher yeah, load just, capacity right i was just gonna say the uh tech the like industry name right. for velcro is hook and loop and there's like shitloads of different kinds it's used for all kinds of stuff yeah it's a damn clever invention I but mean, you hell. can get stuff that like an inch by an inch or like two inch by two inch square will hold 40 pounds how dope would it be if your entire wall was covered with velcro like the soft side so not only you'd have like a... like the state the space station <laughs> yeah totally right <laughs> there's velcro everywhere in this that space was station. part of the problem velcro that they used on the walls in the apollo one capsule which that's the one that like the the test flight caught right. on fire and killed the the, the astronauts i think right? so well, first, pure oxygen is super flammable, but also problematic is the Velcro that they were using was super flammable. Ooh. And so what happened was the 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 short circuit, I think it was, sparked, and it hit a piece of Velcro, and that piece of Velcro went, <laughs> and then that caught the oxygen. No bueno. The guys actually died of asphyxiation, though, apparently, because it just that would clear out the oxygen so fast, yeah. they probably passed out almost instantly. Ooh. I don't know. After That's probably breaths, better than burning. Right? burning up while you're awake yeah burning seems like a really bad way to go anyway that was heavy so off topic we'll delete that later right. that was too heavy but yeah that was too heavy. <laughs> uh but velcro Poor so dope. you know uh the, the the crazy applications i do wish velcro was every like i wish i had a wall of velcro in my office. i might just set up a wall of velcro in my that actually office. is a really neat idea to just hang things on oh cool um, with all kinds of little like adapters there's a good business idea yeah little we've talked about shit. this before remember it's we were really gonna make a idea. velcro you did but you did build this you made yeah. you sent me a video of that a while we ago. made a whole we made i had a whole i lived in a house for a while where most things were hung with velcro <laughs> hmm. interesting <laughs> just a 12 by 12 panel of it like in a picture frame right it's actually a really super useful thing you had to screw it in at the corners so that you could freely like off the wall but that's not a big deal or into one stud yeah totally That'd be awesome in a studio. It would be super. There's awesome. Velcro all over the place, but so here's the thing. So I so I got this smart lock, and I frequently don't use the smart lock because every once in a while it takes a little while to connect, and so that creates just the tiniest bit of inconvenience. That's enough that I default to the old option, the key, which is just shoom, click done, right? Yeah. So that's right. a place where I see smart lock adoption taking time because of that level of inconvenience, right? It's a frequent thing, right? You, you have to design something, but you have to design something that's like, it can be better in this one respect, which is I can control it with my phone. I don't need to worry about keys. I can give people like a three-day invite if they're staying at the house and they can use their phone to get in. Like, it's super handy. I can check the status of the lock over the internet. Not really important, probably. Not important compared to <laughs> it not fucking up my routine on the way out the door when I'm just trying to lock right. the deadbolt, right? Well, this goes back to what we talked about <laughs> last time, which is like the the uh, amount of improvement you get with each new design. Like a lock is really important. It keeps people from just walking in and taking stuff from your house. But the key is a really good solution. It takes like a second to pull a key out and unlock your door. And so to have it on your phone, just it's really a pretty marginal improvement over a key. Right, right. You know? The stuff it starts so, to add is not particularly important. Except the part where you can give other people access, which I frequently I have other people that I give keys to just in case. Like, we need a spare key. Yeah, that's a good that's a good it sort of eliminates that, which is cool. But it's not cooler than the inconvenience of sometimes it won't connect and I'm like, fuck now, I gotta get my key out. And I just burned three minutes at the door, which is not that big a deal. Pissed. But like swiping and restarting. Yeah, it's a place in my life where I'm used to that three minutes (laughs) having been a split second. And so it's really Right. I I hate it when it happens. Um, (laughs) I hate my phone all the time. I was pounding my phone on the dashboard yesterday because it wouldn't make phone calls <laughs> so i was driving home i'm like in traffic at like seven o'clock like rush hour traffic and i can't make a fucking phone call to tell someone that i'm gonna be late for something and i'm pounding <laughs> it i'm like if i hit it hard it'll make a phone call it didn't it didn't reply to that it didn't like that so here's my thing. attitude uh Considering that as the the problem of like, okay, so we want to cruise toward convenience, but also 
like you're solving the problems, but you're also doing it in a way that just essentially makes life better, not more difficult as a trade-off for the the solution that you provided. Um, like not being able to just close your door and leave is a small, like the having to stop and turn a key is a very small inconvenient in comparison to the security that you get by having a lock on your door. <laughs> so given... Yeah. Although I do have to point out that it can't be that convenient to lock the door because I know a lot of people that just don't lock their yeah, doors fair. because it's a pain in the ass. So there are houses that are just wide open all the time. And it's purely a convenience thing. Don't want to carry a key. <laughs> Don't want to take the five seconds to lock the door. So this is a great segue. Kind of dumb, but I those understand. same assholes probably wear shoes with laces. Why? Why do those people wear shoes with yeah, laces? I can confirm that. If, it's, if they couldn't be bothered to pop a key in, close the thing in order to have security in their house, but they still take the time to tie up shoes when Velcro exists. All the shoes that have Velcro <laughs> are really ugly. I think is the problem. Well, there's another business idea for you then. If there we'll were stylish a, we'll like dress shoes, Velcro shoes business. Why would you have fucking laces? You're right. They probably are all like like you know, podiatrist loafers. <laughs> I gotta see. I gotta see what comes up when I search for sexy Velcro shoes on the internet. It's for sure gonna be porn with Isn't Velcro shoes involved. Internet, though that you can, if, if you can Velcro imagine shoes. a thing. It's been sexualized somewhere on the internet. Probably, if you can imagine a thing. You can just, probably screen a, share. I'm going to go to the images. There are a lot of strange results. <laughs> the uh, all is just so goddamn slow down here. Um, Let's move on. There's a the, load uh, in 17 minutes. But so that's my thing. Here's where I think it gets really interesting. I think it's because as a as a landmark, like with our children, you know, Tying your shoes is like a landmark achievement of intellectual capacity and dexterity in, our, in like culturally in our development as a child. Yeah, for sure. Like it's a thing that happens during the day that you tell the parent that comes home from work about proudly. <laughs> he tied shoes today. The rabbit goes out of the hole, around a tree, back in the hole. Yeah, totally. Why? They don't need to tie their shoes. <laughs> there's Velcro. I think that's the reason we still do it. I think there's cultural baggage I know, it's around. So dumb. Like, I think secretly everyone's a little proud every time they tie their shoes in the morning. Like, fuck yeah, I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> still got the dexterity, mental clarity. I uh, I do want to point out that the like 15th image result for sexy velcro shoes are these super cool shoes that my girlfriend owns so i'm gonna make sure i comment that she i didn't know they were velcro uh but that makes them even more dope so i'm wishing in my head that these them. shoes are like some crazy ass 70s platform <laughs> disco shoes like they just velcro up the side only like eight inches they are kind That's of a crazy they're like sense, they're like but cool like... Bootsy Collins would be wearing these, you know, big hat. It's a weird, it's hard glasses. to describe. I'm going to try, though. They're <laughs> very they're like funkadelic. They're like wedge skate shoe, funky platform shoes with Velcro. They make those, but that look like <laughs> athletic shoes. But like, because they look like they're not wedges. They look like just high tops. Um I've started seeing girls wearing those at the right. gym. Yeah, totally. It's really not good for you, anatomically speaking. It's just funny. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not Yeah, it's funny healthy. that they're like, well, it looks like an athletic <laughs> shoe, so this must be what I wear I appreciate to the, gym. the style. <laughs> and I wear those toe shoes, so you know I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I would work out in bare feet if I could, but I don't think they'd let me. Yeah, do. I wish the gyms would allow it, but I, you know, I think other people... Other people probably ruined for us. Oh, the dirty, the dirty feet would be the problem, not the uh, amount of sweat I leave on every machine. The other people's dirty feet. Other people, yeah, fuck other people. I should be allowed to go barefoot though. I feel you. <laughs> That's not very engineering of me. If I just wear socks, I, I like. Sometimes you get away with it for a little while. 
Generally, people don't wear ask me questions. I used to take my shoes off all the time until I discovered the toe shoes. I used to work out in socks until a trainer would say something. Oh, interesting. I kind of like lot that. Of them, if it's not crowded, a lot of them will leave you alone. Yeah. All right. On to the next. Okay. So I feel like that one took a little while. So let's do, uh, let's do, let's do quantum computing. Let's do our Ooh. heavy topic. I got nothing else Ooh. interesting for the hit list this week. Cool. Or that's not true. I have six other notes here. I just don't <laughs> remember what they mean. <laughs> that's fine. We could make things up. Which is what usually happens. Um, one says startup economy. I have no idea what that was pertaining to. Um, Renaissance. Markov chains. Do you know what a Markov chain is? Ooh, I feel it's like off, I should know what a Markov chain term. is. Um, <laughs> it's something like recursive program. Like a, like a, like a program yeah. that the next line of code is written by the program itself, and then you just let it go Ooh. or something like that. It's a it's a program that responds to something yeah. else and then proceeds in a related fashion. You can find Reddit threads where the comments are completely controlled by Markov programs, and they look remarkably like normal people talking. They don't say anything, but they really are convincingly Reddit threads. Anyway, hmm. I don't. I just I came across well, a headline about it and was like, maybe that could be our big topic because I'll have that's a, that touches on an interesting topic for a future later. future cast. We should really, really be in our zone before we start tackling topics like what is consciousness, because uh, that's what you're. That's what yeah, we were just exactly. headed towards there. So, quantum yes, computing, quantum computing, which we might have to kind of roll back a little bit and just do some regular computing filler. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's a buzz term that you hear. Now, sure. like every once in a while, I see a quantum computing head head you know headline, or it'll show up in like a crime thriller where somebody's like, "Well, he has a quantum computer <laughs> encryption, blah CSI. blah blah." Run it through like, the quantum computer. What does that even mean, right? Um. <clears throat> so what I want to get to is is the difference that makes quantum computing such a crazy ass important like giant leap from where we are. Yeah, start with electric circuits and logic. What? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what is a computer? From an engineer standpoint, tell me what a, com a computation engine consists of. So a computation engine, that's a good way to put it. Like what, what's the what most, are these? That's what, that's what uh, Turing called it, I think, a computation engine. Yeah, um, something like that, right? Because at his time, computers were what you called the people that sat and did math by hand with slide rules. Right. They were the computers, the people doing computing. So at a really basic level... A computer, or at, at its most basic level, a computer, a computation engine, is just logic that you put together with essentially yes/no questions. That when you stack them together appropriately, um, you can create more complex. You can answer more complex questions. Turing's machine, you know, that people saw in the imagination game or whatever that was called. Right. Is that what it's called? I think so. Uh, something like that. It had imagination in it. <laughs> um, like that big crude room filling machine before microchips and the stuff that we have today. Yeah. Was 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 what as a series of that was all mechanical. I think right before microchips, we used to use a room full of things to uh, represent like these yeses and nos. And in a really crude sense, you could use it to solve a problem. Because you you write code, right. and that code says if this is a so, one and this is a zero, do this. Like once you can remember states like that, you can start writing code to manipulate those states. Right. Code is all just a giant ability to process a really really complicated string of if then statements. Yes, that's that. I generally yeah, that's a good analogy because that's a that's a flow. It's a flow chart. Right. And so microchips were the first place to take this thing that used to fill up a room and make that same process of being able to store the state of a complex system of if-then statements in one space, one physical mm -hmm. space. And when they talk about a processor being stronger, all they're really talking about is increase the capacity of that chip to process and understand that if then that chain of if then statements yeah at the, at the level of the chip it doesn't do anything it's it's built and it's a solid piece of material right and then there's really low level code that runs on top of that that knows what the chip looks like and it has kind of the intelligence right. of 
hey, these electrical signals came in and went out over here. What we're talking about is, like you said, it's it's the 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 chip is inherently inert. Um, and it's set up so that if you run a signal into it in a certain way with certain cans, the whole system responds, and out the other side pops electrons that in a in a in a arrangement that give you an answer. Yeah. Um, it just ran your flow chart real fast. Yep. Um, and you can do a lot of stuff at borderline the speed of light. Um, yep. And so they're when they're trying to make microchips smaller, they're starting to butt up against problems like a channel can't be skinnier than a single electron. And then they can only fit so many of them so close together before electrons jazz and things like that that are they get sloppy. You've got a lot of weird you got a lot of weird behavior. You not only get the big one that we deal with is heat right now, which everyone hears a lot about which is why these big computing centers need to have water pumped through them and air conditioned, why they get really hot. But you're right, we're reaching, we're getting to a point where there's a physical limitation with the current design of microchips. We can't, we won't be able to make them any smaller in the type of material that we use. So we either need to move to a different type of chip or a completely different type of computation. Or one of the really interesting spaces is a completely different type of manufacturing. Because if you could manufacture microchips differently, there's some interesting new orientations that you could do with them that are completely different than how they work now. That The answer to that, as I understand it, is quantum computing. But we'll get there in a second, because first we got to talk about why do we need more computing power? So the processor has like a series of flow charts built into it, right? You put an electron in one side, it goes through the flow. You put electrons through in different inputs. It goes through the flow and out comes electrons at certain ports on the other side. And so it made decisions for you. The software that you put on top of it is really no different. It's exactly the same. It's a series of yes, no questions, a series of if then questions, right? If five equals five, if this number equals this other number, output a certain thing. And so the software is neat because we've reduced the microchips to like the fundamental flow chart questions that have to be answered for every other thing in the universe to be calculated. And then the software is just like more complex layers of flow charts that humans can then control. So you put into a computer, a processor that has like 50 fundamental questions that you can ask it. And then with those 50 fundamental questions, you can then build software on top that abstract out to anything in the world, including Instagram and web browsers and video conferencing. But they all reduce when you look at the logic and how decisions are made and how things happen in the universe and how math is done. It all reduces to these very, very fundamental, almost like yes, no questions, which is what right. the processor if then, does. I mean, it all boils down to if, if then, what in programming are called if then statements, right? If this, then do this. Yeah, if I think this, so. then, then do the that, part, right? Yeah. And I think that's what defines a binary system. Like it, it all boils down, uh, my understanding is, the base level to this uh, a one or a zero, basically. Um, and so, yeah, for the most part, and so some other cool things in computer science, but I don't what, talk about what those. I think is fascinating is so my exposure to programming versus yours, but even yours to an extent, right? Is like you're dealing mostly with like what, what's your, what's the stack here? I hate it when they talk this way because it sounds so exclusive, right? But like programmers talk <laughs> about the stack that they work with, which is just a set of code libraries. Like, what do you work with, right? No, it's, it's, it's a good question. I work primarily in Linux, which is an operating system. So this, this is a cool question because there are these layers to computers and I don't know them very well, but essentially you can think of your processor and then there's like software that sits on your processor that, that op interacts with the processor. Then you kind of have, then you have your operating system um, that sits on top of that. And then you have, you have all these layers in there. There are layers, layers I'm missing, but way up at the top, after you're like way abstracted from the processor, you have languages that people have heard of like Python and PHP. Um, I work generally in, in, in one of those two. And they're like super high level languages that are actually written in another language that sit and run inside of other things and other things. And eventually they make their way down through those right. others. Other yeah, layers exactly. And so, so it's, it's, it it's this increasingly like it's a sort of, you know, they say like you can't screw around in the beginning class of foreign language because the later ones build on that. Like it's the same idea. There are the, we, right. when you yeah. create like code libraries or, operating systems or like there's this constant thing going on of people uh, programmers who say 
here's the subset of problems we want to solve. The tools don't exist. So we're going to build a set of solutions that will help us get closer to this bigger problem that we have. And so even if you know, mm -hmm. um, like Objective C, Apple just rolled out this Swift language, which is my understanding is it's based on Objective C. It's just a better subset of the same things that you'll already pretty much know for their devices. Uh, you see it on the web all yeah. the time. Twitter rolled out Bootstrap, which was like a framework mm -hmm. for designing websites that was easier and better than the crude JavaScript versions we had before that. But without the complexity of that JavaScript yeah. thing, you can't achieve the refined version. But then people start working with that refined version, and it gets too complicated. So somebody else writes another program that does a more specific thing, like for the <laughs> thing that you want to do, right? Like it's just this rapid fire like problem solving. Yeah, it's just layers sort of and layers and layers of creating new systems to solve a bigger problem and then or using more that specified, to solve a problem, more specific problem. problem. Or yeah. yeah, you're right, not bigger, but more specified problem. When I say bigger, I think I mean harder to reach. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting thing about programming is that at a at certain level, this isn't always true, but at a certain level, you can do anything with any programming language. That's that's the idea. You you can you can do anything with any programming language. They're just you just build them specifically for specific use cases, and it's it's. I think the layering that you're getting at is totally true. If you think about math class, math is a really good example because like you learn these really basic things. You learn how to count one, two, three, four, five. Then you learn how to add two to three equals five. You learn addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and then all the other things start to layer on top. Calculus is this wildly complex thing that's used to solve very specific types of problems, a lot of very specific types of problems, but you can't do it without addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. You need those basic tenets that then, those are relatively simple. Everyone gets those. Everyone learns those. Um, and then building these more complicated layers on top are used to solve specific problems. And that's where it all well, comes from. Math is that way. Math's just made up. Well, and that's a really good example because we think of, you think, okay, one plus one, right? That's real easy. For a computer, it's it's not hard, but compared to our brain, which is so much more complicated and has these weird mechanisms of memory and, and processing that we don't even understand, like it's it's still very crude. And so to just do one plus one for a computer still kind of takes up a certain amount of computational space and effort and like computational capacity of that processor and so like a microchip compared to a human brain is so much more crude that like just something we think of as simple plus one is is still kind of difficult and it spits out heat and it takes electricity and you know blah 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 right well we do all the same things this is we're getting to that we're getting to yeah, that totally. consciousness level right here. what's right, the difference right. well but here's what there's so no here's difference what's interesting, as right? as so this concerned. is why this is why binary is important. Yeah. Because that's all based on a system that has a one and a zero. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have two states. It has a single state that's either like there or not. Mm -hmm. And so think about the complexity of genetic code, which mm -hmm. has four states, right. because you can be G, T, A, or C instead mm -hmm. of just A or C. And this is why quantum computing is important. Because the current way that that chip level thing processes data is based on just a yes, an, an if then, where it's there, there it's a series of forks, but it's always there's only two directions to go on that fork in your flowchart, right? My understanding of quantum computing is it it stores states and it understands states based on electron spin instead of electron forward motion. So instead of it being like either an electron is flowing through this or it isn't as the state of the physical thing happening on a board, it's measuring if a an electron is spinning through one axis, the other axis, the other direction. And it makes it so that we can we can potentially have code that is not at its core binary. The reason we need this like exponential increase in computing is because we're going to hit a point where... Well, what we're up against is it's a speed issue. And so there's a really neat chart that you can look up that shows the speed at which information travels inside of a computer, depending on where you are. 
And so when you look at the microchip, you're talking almost the speed of light, right? It's electrons flowing through material. Um, so really, really fast, almost as fast as things can move in the universe. And so microchips are really, really small. And we pack a shitload of transistors in there so that you can do this logic incredibly quickly. So all of a sudden, when the microchip, it's processing stuff, all of a sudden, when it needs to pull a piece of information to like make a decision, it has to go onto the board. An electron has to travel from the microchip, from the processor onto the board and over to memory. And so that process is insanely slow. It's like tens or hundreds of thousands of times slower. And then you've got the memory, the way memory functions is slower than the processor. And then the way your like your graphics card communicates with the board communicates in a different way. So all of a sudden you have these speed issues. And with processors, we need processors. They just need to, things need to be faster because we're doing more complex stuff. Like we're video chatting over the internet right now, over wireless you were saying like instagram's a great example those filters are like pretty heavy processing um video processing is like the hardest thing that computers do like, these days to try to make things look organic on top of a photo is a really complicated process and yeah. it's really impressive that our phones can do that now really impressive um that, that was in the realm of humans only until very recently very hard right, for computers right. to do graphics um and so if we want to get to like biologically complicated things um, or like modeling physics stuff, right? Like if you want to do a faithful uh, prediction of how a storm will behave, you need to be able to process so many variables at once to do that effectively mm -hmm. that we, we need more processing power and that's that's why something like quantum computing is important because if we can change the paradigm at such a base level for how this stuff is mm -hmm. done to make it tertiary instead of binary just even just that change would be such a massively exponential giantly huge thing for what like if we could effectively make it one notch past binary <laughs> this is my understanding any notches past binary like the ability to compute would get so much faster so quickly that we could start doing things like modeling genes and, and i don't exactly know what the benefit is that you get by adding more like channels of information like that but i do know quantum computing like solves different types of problems in really efficient ways like for instance one of the things you hear about it used for all the time is um is security and so right now traditional computers are really slow when it comes to like cracking secure co security codes um they're really fast compared to a human they can do a whole bunch of stuff really fast but all of a sudden when someone creates a quantum computer all of a sudden computer encryption will be busted the way we encrypt things right now will be broken instantly by quantum computers just because they compute things diff in a different manner in a way that can be utilized for for different things. Well, that we so that's a great right example, now. though, because encryption is essentially just a really complicated math problem, where everything is scrambled up based on an equation that's so stupid complicated, no person could in their lifetime figure it out themselves. But with the right, however, digit key, it's solvable immediately. Essentially, you take um, a, say, you wanted to encrypt your name and send it over the internet. You would just mix it up with a pattern that's really long. So uh, you would apply a, a process to your name that mixes the letters up in a crazy way that I, as a human being, would never be able to figure out how you undid them. But on the other end, the other computer has a component that lets it kind of know the pattern that you mix it up with. And it's really fast. It's like instant for that computer to decode it. But you just, so you essentially security right now exists in a way that we just make it really it would just take modern computers a really long time to unencrypt things. They could do it. A modern computer encryption right now can always be undone. We just make the pattern long enough that it would take like tens of thousands of years for a current computer to to descramble it. And so a quantum computer can do that descrambling function really, really fast. So it'll break security. So things aren't secure in the world. Right. They're just they just take a long time just to really pick well the lock. hidden. That's just yeah. the treasure map is complicated. But like, but it's a great example though, because that's a huge, it would, like you just said, it would take 10,000 years for a modern computer to do it. A quantum computer in which we're not 
limited to ones and zeros and binary systems because we're using like quantum mechanical states, I guess, all them or something. Crazy, crazy um, phantom physics magic. Yeah, exactly. But it's based on that instead of uh, ones and zeros. Like the computing power goes through the roof so fast that now what would usually take you 10,000 years with the computers that we have, like would happen instantly. I don't know instantly, but certainly faster. Mm -hmm. um, that's the... And that's the difference between yep. what we have as computers that we're like, hey, that guy's pretty smart. He can play Jeopardy. Big Blue, whatever it was called. Watson. Watson that played Jeopardy, right? <laughs> like he's exhibiting a human thing, but our brains are still, I mean, if you think about just DNA as the way of storing information, we, need, we can't with our current technology probably ever build a computer that's as complicated as a human brain. Oh, for sure not. Well, we, this is an interesting uh, kind of aside here. So I have a friend who worked on a project that was mapping the brain of like this little tiny uh, microorganism like this. Shall we said they were worms, but I think they were kind of like these little tiny, like very, very tiny creatures. And so their entire brain, and so their entire brain, I think had 27 neurons in it. Humans have like billions or something or trillions. I have no idea, a shitload of them. But so this little worm has 27 neurons. And so the entire logic of its brain has been mapped. You can look it up online. You can download the software that is this worm's brain. And you can even go to these videos where people put, they programmed that brain, they programmed those those neurons, which operate, it operates differently than a computer. It's like a neural network. And I don't even really know what that is, but um, they programmed it and put it onto a little creature that had the same physical sensors as this worm. They gave it like a heat sensor and a light sensor. And so they have this little like RC car that has this worm's brain programmed into it and it behaves like the worm does. It like heads towards the same stimulus in the, and so you can like put it on the floor and it's a complete artificial creature. It is an artificial version of a worm. We mapped its brain and its brain works just like a human brain. We just have more neurons. But so that's what, what's to me is, I guess, fascinating on the quantum computing front is the impact of that kind of thing. Like we try to model the behavior of cancer cells now and we're limited by computing power at a certain point because it's a complicated biological process. It's a process that's right. happening so quickly that to us it seems random and we don't know what to do with it. But it's not random. It's guided by right, it's not genetic random at code, all. which is super complex compared to what we think of as code, but it's still just code. You can read it. Like... Well, what it what it really does when you get down to it, it's driven by fundamental physical forces in the universe. It's just the whole human body is just a collection of material from the universe that gathered together. And it you think it's making decisions, but it's not. It's just this this element is attracted to this one in a particular way. And so it joins together and it forms a shape and a thing. And then that thing moves and it responds to other physical forces. And so there it's it's not guided by anything other than right. physics and that physics and so the code genetic code is just a really like a f like like comparing like so what i was going for is you we got binary and we hit a certain complexity right like so every time you could increase binary by one slot you're going up an order of complexity right it's like it's some i don't know what the scale is logarithmic maybe like more than exponential every slot you get and so if you think of the complexity of the things that we can do with computers at the size that they are now and ramp that up that scale, not just one slot to three, but another one to four, you're talking about the code that guides the way your body or a biological mechanism responds to the physical universe that you were talking about. Like, well, there's, there's a size component here too, that I think, uh, is is just as interesting like the we make microchips and they're really small i mean you look at a processor and you're like wait there's billions of something on here uh that actually is i think if you looked at like the size of a uh like if you look at the size of a transistor on a microchip compared to like a biological function that's that's doing logic inside of your body right it's fucking humongous the the, the biological system is so tiny <laughs> we can't manufacture stuff at that size like the things going on inside of a cell inside Every cell in your body has, an, has a manufacturing plant inside. It's like fucking making products and shipping them out the door. And, and that whole cell is 
is getting is still smaller <laughs> than a transistor on a microchip. But so that's what I think is interesting about the idea of quantum quantum computing, right? Because it's us trying to take a step forward to but we're essentially chasing the same thing, which is how do you build a series of if then statements or you know commands into a mechanism that can store and process them. And what we have right now is so crude compared to you know your brain um, or compared to biological storage mechanisms, you know the, the code, right? And so then we're kind of back where we ended up mm -hmm. at the end of the first episode, which is like everything we, when you're talking about gravity and this force that we don't understand that unites everything, like all these interconnected forces, it, you know, it may just be that we don't have the computational mechanism to understand them. So the fact that I don't know what it is to me doesn't say like that it doesn't. The fact that I can't process, the fact that I can't see infrared <laughs> light doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like, you know, same thing. Forces uniting the universe, right? And I, I feel like the human imperative is to try to understand that force. I think I think what's really cool about quantum computers is not so much what a quantum computer is or how it works, but that we as a species are just barely starting to scratch the surface of computation in the universe, the ability to compute things and build computers. And so we have for the last 50 years manufactured one very specific type of computer and it has gotten every 18 months it's followed Moore's law and it's gotten a little bit smaller a little bit faster but all of a sudden we're like hey we got to figure out something new because we're maxing that out and so all of a sudden it's like wait there are other ways we can be doing these things and so if you look at the tiny amount of time that we've had computers and look at the, the effects they've had to think that that is like the precursor to figuring out all these new ways to compute and, and create and move information and make decisions the uh, it, it just opens up this world of possibilities to to just do unimaginable things. I mean, a smartphone is so unimaginable. Six or seven years ago, ten years ago, whenever they came out, they've absolutely completely changed the face of the planet. Every single human being on Earth has a computer in their pocket. Everyone thinks about computers all the time now. Everyone nerd culture is popular now. I think because of smartphones, people appreciate this stuff. Right. Well, you can do cool stuff with them. It's something that we've known forever because we've been programming websites. But like, how cool is it that you can clickety click, 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 and then a thing blinks on a website that the whole universe can see? It's, it's incredible. It's, or take it one step further with your like Raspberry Pi work and stuff, your Arduino stuff you were doing for a while. Like, you can literally make a light blink in somebody's, <laughs> you know, room. Like, if they've set up the right thing for you across the globe it's really wild just i hit a button your shit blinks like that's you know really wild that's a lot of fun there's a but uh, so it's there's a concept that i want to touch on here that kind of takes us to the real extreme with computation and it's the, the you hear that people talk about sometimes do we live in a computer is the universe just a big computer um the uh douglas adams book um shit what is it called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that like, your towel. Earth was just a computer that someone built to answer the question, what's the what's the purpose of the what's universe? What's the meaning of life? Yeah. And uh, there's an interesting, you touched on this earlier when you talked about storms. How do we how do we actually predict what's what the weather is going to be like? And the reason we can't do that right now, it's not because we don't understand some basic physics. We can understand chemistry and stuff. It's just that we can't calculate the amount of information that needs to be processed to know what a storm is going to do. When you look at a storm, you look at Doppler radar and you see like a hurricane coming across the ocean, right? And you see this big cloud and it's pretty clear these days. You can look at it and be like, oh, cool. It's going to be cloudy over here in 10 minutes. You can see it moving around. But to really calculate what's going to happen, you need to go down to the level of the 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 molecules. How is stuff molecules moving? Where are the forces? off other molecules. Yeah. Right. Like, and we and so at some point you need that. enough computational power. Like if you really wanted to make an accurate reproduction of that, you would need to account for every molecule right. in that weather system. And then you get like, to the point where you need to not only to really make it accurate, you need to actually calculate what's happening inside of those atoms. What are the electrons and the protons and neutrons and what are they doing? And then at the deeper level, quarks and all this other nonsense that I don't really know much about. And so you get to this point where you realize, wait a second, to calculate what the universe is doing, you would need the universe to be a computer. You would need each of those little things that we talk about at this fundamental pieces of matter, atoms and electrons and protons and photons. 
you would need those to actually be the thing that you store the information in. And then all of a sudden you reach this point where you say, wait a second, that is where the information is stored. Holy shit, we are living inside of a computer. Right. And so that's the place where all of a sudden you're like, what's the difference? There's just there's information and there's state and there's these basic rules that govern the universe. And all of this stuff is on top of it. And all of a sudden we're like, hey, we discovered computers, but no, that's how everything works. Right. That was just it was just kind of there. That's where and this is getting into like woo woo territory. But like <laughs> I, I have always appreciated the theory that like if you are uh like eating a psychedelic mushroom or something, <laughs> that you are actually receiving data from the earth, like in some capacity that we don't know how to process with consciousness, but you're actually like I love that. you're pulling out of I've the fungus, you know, this data transfer that's actually coming from the chemical, like the DNA whatever code is in there, really interesting. you know, you're yeah. just running it through a foreign computer I've... that doesn't know what to make of it except, and then tries to, because of the way the brain works, it's kind of like deep dream, totally. you know, the Google thing where it makes these weird pictures yeah. based on these parameters and they're kind of compelling and weird. I think your brain is doing the same thing with mushroom data when it like causes, causes <laughs> um, hallucinations, you know? That's a, what a really interesting analogy. I've never heard that that idea before. I like that. I mean, that is what you're doing. Everything you do is just information. Um, I think that's I think that's a good place. I think we made it through engineering a little. We made it through Zen a little. Uh, if we have any friends left, they'll uh, I think they'll be along for the ride. <laughs> This was, this was an interesting one. This was a tough one. All, all the people who actually know how computers work. Yes, please. please. No, I really, I want to understand the things my, that we my specialty is the philosophy side. <laughs> um, I'm a big nerd, but I just, it's like, I'm, I can look at Wikipedia, you know, I'm good at that. But I know there's people who, this is what they do, right? This I mean, is... we're friends. So maybe we'll have them back on later to set well, us straight. Um, yeah, we should definitely get it. We have a couple of friends that would love to chat about this stuff. And this is one of the reasons computers are so neat and why they're emerging in culture the way they are and why they're going to be so prolific is because there's no end to what's going on. We just we just kind of walked through logically how the universe is a big computer. And it, it just is. It's just information is what the universe is built to do. And the more you see, the more uh, that comes out of smartphones, the more you see humans communicating and sharing information that that seems to be the purpose of the universe is to share information. We're yeah. processing data. Yeah. Like technology feels like some sort of, in, I don't want to say inherent, but it's like it, the, it's, the, na it's nature. My smartphone is the inclination to create technology is just like, like a, like a, like it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a universal. It's a natural evolution law. Like, like, like it happens with bees. It happens with ants. We're doing it. And, and it's, and it's, and it's bred out of this weird universal need to like yep. communicate and cooperate and try to talk about things, even if it's dumb bullshit, like tabloid, but like you're trying to like, even, even the conversation that people have about the Kardashians has some kind of value in that maybe it's just two people trying to get on the same moral page about how they feel about yeah. it. Like, <laughs> just, it is. It's just that it's but, that but natural like, universal urge just, to share things and communicate, which is really beautiful. And so the real answer to needing more computing is just to get more brains working on the problem because there are not yet computers better than more brains. Yeah. And so what we've decided to focus on with <laughs> software and with um with with the stuff that we're doing with computers, particularly smartphones is we are bringing closer together in a communication sense. Like I can communicate quicker with you, uh, brains. Like, so what we're doing is the same thing that you're doing on a chip where you're trying to make these different processes closer together. Mm -hmm. We're just taking all the best computers <laughs> in the world, right. which are all going to be brains. And we're trying to put them closer together so we can all go, dude, dudes, the planet is cooking itself. We need <laughs> to figure out an answer for this. Hurry up. Think about it. Think about it. Right. And talk, think about it and talk and, 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 and we'll get it. Yes, like. that's a, that's I another great very, analogy. Smartphones are just bringing our brains closer together <laughs> so we can communicate more efficiently. It's all it's totally like, true. It's so interesting. There's a guy, uh, Jason Silva, I think his name is. I repost his videos all the time. So follow yeah, he's me on good. Facebook if I you like want to catch his shit. Um, he talks about like techno-social wormholes where it's like the, what I'm doing with this video right here is I'm recreating the important part of being in a room with you so we can talk about ideas. Yeah. At least that's the idea. That's why it's attractive. 
a lot of the ideas are probably stupid, <laughs> but there is the capacity in there that will solve a big ass problem by talking about this stuff. And that's the best way we can do it. Just these two computers kind of eh, talking. Right. About and I think the general implications of all of this technology and bringing people closer together physically to communicate, I think they have, there's a really neat lesson to come out of it. And I think it's that. Do mushrooms? If, if Do mushrooms <laughs> and then order delivery frozen yogurt. That was it. That's exactly where I was going. That's, that's... It, it, <laughs> it speaks to what I think everyone kind of already knows, whether or not they want to admit it or not, in that the point of being here in the universe is to get close with people, is to share things, is to speak your mind, is to be yourself, is to let out all of the information that's inside of your head to get it out. And so it really comes back to we're building all of these weird devices. And, and, and education, like, oh, this is why much, we consider education valuable because education is our flailing effort to make what's coming out of you more worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a really that's a really good point too. <laughs> a little there shouldn't be no filter on what comes out. Uh, there should just be there shouldn't be a stop. No, we right. That's stop the importance of freedom. Out. Of it should just be adjusted. You have a little to bit. be able to talk, <laughs> right? But you also it, we culturally we have to make allowance for the fact that ninety five percent of it's going to be stupid. But it's also that sounds all of bad. The stupid I don't mean to be is, calling is, people stupid. Great too. You don't mean the people are stupid because that'd be rude. <laughs> you mean that a lot of the information is just not right. useful. <laughs> but it is it is also useful because we need to know the things that aren't useful so that other computers don't bother right. computing them. And unfortunately, we get stuck sometimes in in loops where the software was written poorly, the social software maybe, and we get stuck on things like the kardashians and that poor girl is just the butt of like every complaint about pop culture in the world but we're stuck in that loop a little bit and the same can be said for a lot of things that people don't think are particularly good uses of resources one that i would like to touch on just to anger people is uh fantasy sports think of all the think of all there's a lot of benefit that comes from that people learn there's so many people that know statistics and excel now because they do fantasy sports imagine if they were applying that to something else though Go, go do something functional. <laughs> anyway, I feel like that was an epic. Well, I was trying to sign off, and then we went an epic place with it. It's going to be good. But anyone that's still along for the ride. Yeah, real good. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for checking out the third episode. And we'll keep them, we'll keep them coming if you keep the totally. questions coming, which will make our life easier because I keep yeah, thinking about thanks. this, and I'm like, I don't know. I, well, I don't know what I'm going to talk about after we get through the 10 things that you and I usually talk about. Um, Ooh, that's really, that's where we are going to experience a lot of personal growth. I, but I'm, I'm going to run out eventually of things I feel like I can actually explain about mechanisms in the universe. I pretty much ran out of that I guess today. we'll just have to do research. <laughs> or you'll have to feed them to us and help us talk about it. But uh, do that by hitting us on whatever channel you found us through. Awesome. Thanks for hanging 10 with us. Stay groovy, everybody. They don't know.